you know, God is so much to us. He, uh, the Bible says he's made us to be the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't know about you, but when I came to God, I wasn't very righteous. There wasn't much right in my life, quite honestly. Um, although naturally, you know, I didn't look much different. You know, my circumstances looked pretty good compared to everybody else, actually. But on the inside, things weren't all right. But then he doesn't just do that for us. You know, like we said earlier, he gives us a place in heaven. And he comes to dwell in us, live with us down here. But, you know, like the Ginsu Knives commercial, does anybody remember those, those old Ginsu Knife commercial? We, I mean, we're not hurting for infomercials now. Um, wait, there's more. How many remember that, that saying that they used to have? They'd always say, but wait, there's more. If you call right now, you get this too. And it seemed like a never ending thing. Wait, there's more. And then they tell you about this, this extra little thing that looks like the knife will fall off the first time you use it. But wait, there's more. And it reminds me of that with the Lord because his list of benefits goes on and on and on. I mean, not, he doesn't just save us. He's our provider. And he's covenanted with us that he would be the Lord, our provider, that he would take care of us. And that if we would obey him, that our needs materially, I mean, here in this life, I mean, money, those kind of needs would be met by him. But wait, there's more. There's more. He's also covenanted with us to be our healer. And I want to take today and kind of talk about his uh, his healing attributes. The Lord, our healer. Are you OK with that? This is good news. It's not bad news. You know, there's some folk that they would get scared if they came to a church and they mentioned such a thing. But don't you know, God made us. He could fix us. In Luke chapter nine. In the 11th verse, I'd like you to look down there. Thank you, Father. The crowds learned about it. Now, to find out what he's talking about, just you have to read this on your own. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Notice what Jesus did. He welcomed the folk, right? He welcomed them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And then this third thing he did, he healed them who needed healing. He healed them. Would you, uh, would you be right in saying he healed all them that needed healing? Uh, if it doesn't say differently, you'd have to assume that because it kind of leads you to believe that, doesn't it? He healed them. But you know what I like? According to the Lord, if you're sick, what do you need? You need healing. Well, that's not what everybody believes. This verse says, if you are in need, it's healing that you need, right? He healed those who needed healing. I don't know about you. I've heard a lot of things. I've heard that if you're sick, you need to just rejoice and thank God that he put something on you to help make you closer to him. Have you ever heard that? But it didn't say that, did it? Hmm? Well, if you're sick, you should just pray, Lord, if it's your will, heal me. 
They don't say the rest, which is, if not, let me die. <laughs> but I noticed that the people that, you know, say to pray that, if they get sick, they run right to the doctor. Well, won't you just let God's will run its course? No, I mean, uh, nothing, nothing wrong with doctors. But if, if you don't, if you're not sure that God even wants you well, why are you going? Doctors ain't going to kill you, although they do sometimes, but not on purpose. No, he healed those who had need of healing. If you're sick, you need healing. What if you're, what if you're not sick per se, you have a physical condition? You need healing. What if it's a chronic thing? What do you need? Well, I just need the medication. Well, there's something better. Thank God. Here again, thank God for the medication. But there's something better. Healing. What if it's a lifelong thing? What if you were born with it? Well, I just need the grace to cope. Well, let's, let's, let's form our beliefs by what the Bible says and not by some saying that sounds really spiritual. Huh? And is absolutely unscriptural and isn't God. No matter how great the need, he healed them. Is that what's written there? He healed them that had need of healing. I really like verses like that. I mean, it didn't, doesn't look like Jesus prayed for long periods of time concerning whether this was right or Lord, show me the ones that I shouldn't minister to. Show me the ones that, that I should send away where it's not your will. No, none of that. He just healed them who needed healing. You know, Jesus represents the will of the Father. He was the will of God embodied, walking on the earth. Wasn't he? I mean, Jesus prayed, Father, your will be done. You think Jesus would go out and do something that was totally against the will of God? Nothing that Jesus did was against the will of God. He said, I only do the things that I see my Father do. I only say the things that I hear him say. And aren't you glad that when it came to something like healing, he just healed the whole mess of them right there. It says he spoke to them the kingdom of God. You know, healing is included in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just another uh, phrase for the, the God realm, the, the realm in which God lives. And in we're supposed to be living in the God realm too, aren't we, as Christians? We're supposed to have God working in our life and we're supposed to be living for him. And there is healing included. You know, healing always has been and is always supposed to be part of the gospel. It was not just preaching. It wasn't just healing. It said he spoke to them and healed them. Preaching and healing. If you've heard the gospel and you've never heard about healing, you haven't heard the whole gospel. And there's, there's lots of people I've heard them say, you know, well, I don't preach all that. I just preach the gospel. What they mean is I just preach that Jesus saves. Well, he does, but that's not all he does. Jesus will fill you with his spirit. Amen. Jesus will provide for you. Jesus will heal you. 
Yes, he will. That is part of the gospel. Some of you need to come to church today. This is good news at Good News Family Church. It shouldn't put a frown on your face. Jesus is the healer. Amen. He healed those who had need of healing. Jesus never went anywhere without his healing. I'd like you to turn over to Mark. I'm sorry. Go to Matthew 4. He's a healing Jesus. If you had never been taught differently and you just started reading the Bible, you could not conclude anything else. But that healing is part of the package. Because wherever Jesus went, he took his healing with him. Except one place. When he went to heaven, he didn't need his healing power anymore. There's no sickness up there. Guess where he left it? He left it here for us to be able to access and be able to minister. But on earth, Jesus always had healing with him. Matthew 4, look down all, all the way down in the 23rd verse. Now this, this verse here, this basically defines in one statement what Jesus did in his ministry. It says he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Somebody tell me what Jesus's ministry was made up of. Teaching, preaching, healing. It wasn't just healing. It wasn't just preaching. It wasn't just teaching. It was all of those things. And look what, I mean, thank God it wasn't limited to just, a, you know, a headache and a hangnail, you know. Every sickness and every disease. I'd like you to flip right over to the ninth chapter of the same book, Matthew 9. Thank God for healing today. The Lord had put this on my heart to minister to you today. And I believe your heart will be open to receive some of these things. Hey, if it's new to you, uh, that doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, sometimes I think sometimes the older we get, we like to think, well, if I haven't heard about it, then it can't be, you know. <laughs> Honey, sir, there's a lot you haven't heard about. There's a lot you haven't seen with God. I, I remember one of the stories that, that Brother Kenneth Hagin tells about a time when Jesus appeared to him. Now, right there, I just lost some of you. Oh, that can't be. I had never heard of that. But he said uh, the Lord told him something and it went against what he had been taught by his religious leaders, you know, coming up. And he just had always believed basically the opposite of something Jesus told him. And he, he said, dear Lord, Jesus, I've read the New Testament through over 150 times and parts of it more than that. If there's anything like that in there, I don't know it. And the Lord, he said the Lord just smiled on him and say, said, son, there's a lot in there you don't know yet. Wouldn't that be the case with all of us, yeah. me included? And, yes. and uh, I mean, no matter how many times you could read John three sixteen, God so loved the world. You know, you could read that every single day and get something out of it five years from now that you never saw before. 
That's because the Lord is a God of revelation. He, he, has, he has the lights, you understand, and he can shine it on a part of something that you've never seen before. Matthew chapter 9, though, here again, this is right towards the end of the chapters, the 35th verse. Now, keep in mind, this is, Matt, this is the same author, the same book. This isn't just a repeat of what we just read. This is a, a, another account, a different city. Jesus went through not just Galilee now, but all the towns and villages doing what? Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and what? Healing every disease and sickness. He didn't just do this in one town now. Jesus did this wherever he went. What did he do now? He would teach. He would preach the good news of the kingdom. But that he wouldn't stop there. He would, there'd be a demonstration of the good news he was talking about. Healings included in the gospel. Healings included in the kingdom of God. He would heal every sickness, every disease. Jesus did not get every person healed that was sick. In fact, would you turn, I hadn't planned to go there, but would you turn to Mark chapter 6 and let's, this is important and you're open to learning a thing or two here today, right? That might, may even be why you came. You may have come for other reasons, but while you're here, learn something. I just made a statement to you that, um, you know, I guess if you're not so well taught, it would raise some eyebrows. I just gave myself a compliment. I'm sorry. I hope you hope you're OK with that. I said to you, Jesus did not get every sick person healed. How many would have at least one time in your life said, Pastor, that doesn't sound right. I thought Jesus healed every sickness and every, every kind of sickness, every kind of disease, but not every sick person. How many still think I jumped off the boat? You can raise your hand. I won't, I won't smack you or say anything bad about you. Or I might talk about you all the way home. I'm just kidding. Now, in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to, to do what? Teach. teach. What is Jesus looking to do here, everybody? He's looking to teach or preach, whichever. And what else? You know it goes with it. He took healing wherever he went. So you know what he's looking to do, right? Well, it said he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. So it was a good sermon, wasn't it? Must have been. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? So there was some kind of demonstration. But they said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. You know, offense is not uh, what you need if you're if you're wanting to receive from God, is it? Jesus said to him, only in his hometown, among his own relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not. Everybody say could not. He could not do any miracles there 
except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. That uh, The word there in the Greek means minor ailments. Minor. That would be the headaches and hangnails, right? It didn't say he wouldn't do anything. It didn't say Jesus got mad. And just said, well, bless God, healing. I'm going to keep my healing today because they're, they keep saying, well, isn't this just the son of Mary, the son of Joseph? Isn't this the carpenter? Didn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. Didn't it? Look at it again if you're not sure. He couldn't do any mighty work. Couldn't get anything miraculous done. He had no problems in other places. I mean, we read where he'd heal every sickness and every disease. Now it's just real minor stuff. He did manage to get that done. Nothing major. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus couldn't get results everywhere he went, do you figure that we'll, have, we'll encounter the same thing? Big time. Big time. You know, even here, just in the context of, his church, of this church, We've had uh, we've had really some outstanding things happen along the way, you know, where the where the supernatural is concerned, where healing is concerned. We had one guy had a cancer fall off his ear. Amen. And other things have happened. Um, there, there's been people. Uh, one lady told me uh, one time that uh, she was supposed to have a surgery, never did have to have it after after we'd ministered to. Her. But there's also times where I mean, the night before. Man, we'll pray up a storm, feel all anointed, then come in here and feel like somebody sprayed you with cold water. You know what I mean? Just can't seem to get there. Well, how come, why? Why, how come some places uh, Jesus could get a lot done, other places Jesus couldn't get much done? Well, you know where the answer usually is, right? The next verse. The next verse. He, well, let's read verse five again. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at what? Their, their unbelief or their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around doing what? Teaching from village to village. What's the remedy for a lack of faith? What's the, what's the antidote for unbelief? teaching, get faith, get the level of faith back up. Amen. He never went anywhere without his healing. Go to the third chapter of Mark. And we'll look at one last example of this. You know, I thank God uh, for this truth concerning healing because it has changed my life dramatically. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but let, let me just say that the healing power of God has affected my life. And uh, it is not, it wouldn't be exaggeration to say that I don't think I'd be up here today if it was not for these truths and these things. It has blessed me so much. I mean, changed my, man, I used to have panic disorder. This is years ago. Kind of all started when I was getting married. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> but I mean, I, man, I used to have anxiety attacks and, and I mean, just sit in fear, shaking. For all, man, God set me free from that. Yes. Amen. Long time ago. Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't routinely every other hour encounter a great presence of fear anymore. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, if you've ever been there and then you've been brought out by the word of God and by the spirit of God, man, 
you don't mind shouting. You don't mind getting excited about. And then other things, man, the Lord has done in my life and in the lives of lots and lots of people. Amen. I'm confident that if you can get the anointing, the power of God and the word of God in people and you can get them to accept, it'll do just exactly what it did in Jesus's ministry. It'll drive out sickness. It'll drive out disease. It'll 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 uh, straighten up things that are crooked and broken and make it straight. Amen. In in Mark chapter three. Now we've seen where Jesus took his healing to masses, but let's just look here at this individual case in Mark chapter three. It says in the first verse, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now, could you picture this, everybody? What do you figure it looked like? You know, what's, have you ever seen somebody with just a little bitty of a, a withdrawn kind of thing, probably paralyzed, not usable? So this man was there in the synagogue. Now, verse two, some of them, talking about the people there, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now, can I ask you a question? The, these people that are watching him closely are not his greatest supporters, are they? Huh? Your disciples, hopefully, huh? your church members, hopefully, aren't the ones sitting there ready to accuse you. Just waiting for him to say something. Bless God and I'll send it to the papers. But these people were ready to accuse him. What were they looking for him to do? What were they looking for Jesus? They're sitting there with their pad and their paper. What are they watching expecting him to do? Figuring Jesus and a sick person together in the same room. There's going to be some healing. He never went anywhere without his healing. But does it uh, does it kind of set a little funny with you that it was the people who were against him that were expecting it? May I ask you, do people go into worship centers today expecting healing? You know, I, I guess we should see if they got what they expected. Let's let's finish reading the story. Sure enough, verse three, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everybody. Now you realize for the man to be standing up in every in front of everybody, he, he's going to be guilty as much as Jesus is going to be guilty. All right. Jesus is going to be gone after his nice message. And this man's going to be left here with all the religious leaders staring him down. For obeying Jesus. So stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them. Which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Do you like that phrase? Completely restored. I said completely completely restored. What's God's will for you, everybody? Completely restored. So they were expecting healing. Sure enough. You get Jesus and a sickness, or in this case, it was uh, some, maybe a deformity, but you get Jesus and, and something that's not whole together. There's going to be healing. Yes. 
unless he's in his own hometown. And the unbelief and the lack of faith and the refusal to believe and the refusal to change hinders that flow of power. But notice here, even though there was mass unbelief, I mean, probably the guys with their notepads got there early and took all the good seats. Huh? Because they wanted a good view of, to, you know, to accuse him. But man, you get Jesus and the person in faith healing. This was a miracle. I mean, this was, um, this was wild. I mean, the guy whose hands was like this. What, what happened to his hand? Somebody tell me. Completely restored. Completely restored. Completely restored. I want to ask you again, do people go into worship centers today expecting healing? You know the answer. By and large, it's no. But if it's the ministry of Jesus going on today, should it just be relegated to preaching and teaching? Anybody besides me getting excited? <laughs> How come we've cut off a third of the ministry? We're are we supposed to be doing the ministry of Jesus? I mean, he didn't he didn't say, I'm going to heaven. Now you guys fend for yourself. He said, no, it's better for you if I go away. I'm sending the helper. You guys are going to continue this thing. The works that I've done, you're going to do them and greater. He gave us a commission to basically carry the thing on and spread it worldwide. So to just have teaching, to just have preaching is to get two thirds of the job done. So if they expected it back then. Even the people who were against him expected healing. What would be so wrong? With when we come together, we just, how many came today expecting preaching or teaching? Come on, how many, your expectation was high that there was going to be some kind of preaching, some kind of teaching. Was your expectation for healing that high? Expectation I want to talk to you about expectation for a moment here. It's a byproduct of faith. In other words, what you believe is what produces your expectation. Most of you believe that we'd be preaching or teaching. Somebody would. Do you know something? You get what you expect. If you're writing things down, you could write that down. You get what you expect. God's working in your life, God's power in your life and in this congregation or any congregation or group will never rise above the level of expectation. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. There's no such thing as the whole place, every single person in doubt and unbelief. And God's just going to, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. come and work just miraculously. Mm -hmm. Now, he'll do it for one person in the place. See how much responsibility we have in the services. Do you know a lot of people come into the services expecting to be bored? Do they go away satisfied? Probably. Probably. I mean, hey, I'm not an entertainer. Sorry. Well, I, I've been in the entertainment industry a long time, but not in this context. This is not entertainment. But you get God working. It's the most entertaining thing in the world. Some people, they come into church like, the, like Jesus accusers. They expect to find something that's just not right. We're going to talk about this over lunch. Bless God. I don't agree with that because I knew it. 
I knew it. I knew he'd say this and he did. See? Huh? They're expecting it. You know, if you look for dirt, you'll find it. If you dig for gold, you'll find it. But there's some people that they come to church expecting revelation from God. And they get it. There's some people they come expecting gifts and manifestations of the spirit. There's some that they go expecting healing. Who produces the gifts of the spirit anyhow? Have to be the spirit, right? But do you know that where expectation is low, manifestation is real low. I have seen this uh, firsthand because I traveled with Brother Hagen for those all those years to lots and lots of different churches and different places. And really, I've never met anybody that had such a consistent manifestation of the Spirit in his ministry. I mean, there's always be supernatural things happening in these services. Sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, but always some. How come sometimes a lot? Was he more spiritual sometimes than the other? He was probably one of the most consistent human beings I know as far as his walk with the Lord. Expectation was everything. But why, why did he even have some manifestation all the time? People would get his books and read what happened 50 years ago. And they come to the meeting just saying, well, you know, he's the same guy. Forget about it. He wasn't even the one doing it. God was doing it through him. But they, man, they just come. Well, you know, why is it every, most everybody here knows, has seen Benny Hinn on TV, right? Why does he get such results? Do you know that he hardly ever preaches or teaches? Uh, as, you know, most of the healings take place when the people are standing outside in line or during praise and worship. How many have really ever seen him preach and teach much on television? No, you see all the people in line coming up saying, this is what happened, Brother Benny. I was standing outside waiting to come in the building. And all of a sudden the power of God was all over me. How come? He's got him a reputation. People just expect it. You know, the Bible says his fame began to spread abroad. People would come expecting healing, even people against him. And they just expected the expectation was so high that it gave God the, the, the highway, so to speak. But don't you know, we don't need a famous preacher necessarily. All you need is to read about the ministry of Jesus. And expect those same things because he said where two or three are gathered together, I'm there in their midst. Don't you know that people actually make it a point not to expect the supernatural for two reasons. Number one, they're afraid God won't show up. Number two, they're afraid he will. (laughs) And which is the greater reason? It might be the second. (laughs) Either they're afraid something won't happen or they're afraid something will happen. Huh? My Lord, let's be hungry. Let's not, let's be expectant. Let's not be afraid that God's going to show up. I'll tell you what, if you expect him to, he will. He will. Well, what's it going to look like? Probably different than you thought. Don't worry about it. We had somebody call us this week. uh, Real concerned because they want to come visit the church. And and as you can see there, I think it was a family and. I guess their fear got the best of them this morning. <laughs> but they're real concerned because they've been to another church in town and said, it was so different. I've never seen anything like that. I wanted to cry in this service. All the people singing so loud and, you know. Well, 
Has anybody ever gone swimming? Have, has, have you ever jumped in the water and it was not your body temperature? But what happens if you just go in and splash around for a while? You end up refreshed. You'll end up being okay with it. And it's the same thing with the things of God. Listen, there's lots of things. I mean, that would probably make, there's, there's, God could move in such ways that most all of us would be uncomfortable. Huh? Get us out of our comfort zone, in other words, right? If, if your participation is, is to be part of it, you'd be uncomfortable. But just splash around a little bit. You get used to it. Next thing you know, you'll see water. Ah! Jump right in, you know. You thought I was going to jump on your lap. Sorry. How many would like to see more healing? Is healing good or bad? Jesus said, hey, which is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do bad? Oh, bad Jesus healing on the Sabbath. He said healing was good. Do you thank God that Good News Family Church is a healing place? The atmosphere, the very atmosphere can be charged with healing power. There was a healing revival in this country from, oh, about 1947 to 1956, somewhere around there, about a 10 year period where, I mean, it was just all kinds of healing evangelists were being raised up. And wherever you'd go, that atmosphere was just so charged that ministers would document and say, I'm getting more people healed accidentally than I used to do on purpose. You know what I mean? When I was trying to people who weren't even used in that area. I mean, they were getting blind people healed. Deaf people. I'm not making this up. You can. Re- I mean, there's publications. It's chronicled. Yeah. If it didn't get to your town, that's you know. I'm sorry, but but it was here. Listen. Here's the biggest question that most people ask: Will God heal me? How many agree that that's the big question? For most people, and most believers, anyhow, their biggest question is: Can is not can God do it? How many would raise your hand and say, "I believe that whatever it is." It's within God's range of power and ability to get it done. Can he? Do you believe he can? If not, you need to start there. Huh? Start because God's not going to do more than what you're able to expect and believe. That's the big question. Can he? I mean, not can he, but will he? And folk lack the confidence that he'll do it for them. And some can even believe for others. Yeah, God's going to heal you. Glory to God. Power of God's working in you. But when it comes to them, oh, not so sure. How come? Because they know them too well. (laughs) Let me give you, before, before we change the direction here this morning, can I give you two truths that will help you in this area? Two basic things that you want to, that you need to know if you're going to have confidence that God will produce and do these things for you. Number one, Here's one thing you need to know. And that is this. Anything he's ever done for somebody else, he'll do for you. Go to James chapter one, if you would. If he's done it for somebody else, he will do it for you. Here again, folk have difficulty believing this, don't they? We're going to see, we're going to give you a couple, you know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You shouldn't believe that statement just because I said it. I'm going to give you two or three scriptures. 
to prove the case. If you don't believe the Bible, none of this matters anyhow. You have bigger problems. The Word of God is true. Verse 5 in James 1 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. God gives generously to all, doesn't he? Is wisdom the only thing that God gives generously? Or is that just a statement basically uh, about his character that he is a generous giver to who? To all. Yeah, but I've fallen so short. Well, notice the second part of that verse. He's not looking at your faults. Good news. He gives generously to all without finding fault. If he doesn't find fault with you, you shouldn't find fault with you. Yeah, but I know some things I've done. He knows and he knows things that you don't know that are bad about you. And if he's not brought them up yet, don't you worry about them. Now, over in over in Romans chapter two. Another verse. Who does he give liberally to all? Are you there? Romans two verse 11 simply says this for God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. Well, I know he'd heal that person. I know he'd heal the preacher. God doesn't have favorites unless you want to say we're all his favorite. You know what? You could say that. But he doesn't favor one above another. Look in Ephesians chapter six. Oh, I'm going to flip you all over the place this morning. Ephesians chapter six. In the ninth verse, the last phrase there, I just want you to notice again, it says there is no favoritism with him. Do you see that? Ephesians 6, 9. There is no favoritism with him. Then two books over in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. The very last verse in the chapter, Colossians chapter 3 says, Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism. How many believe, according to the word of God, that God doesn't show favoritism? He does not cater to special interest groups. He doesn't do things for people according to their social status. Huh? You can't. How many know you can't like go out and sin and then just make a large donation to cover it up with God? The ground is level at the cross. We all have to come to him and none of us are above anybody else at the cross. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Amen. Well, I'm a good person. I volunteer in the children's ministry. That doesn't buy you favoritism with God. What does that, what does being a good person have to do with you getting healed anyhow? Got quiet in here. What does it being a good person have to do with you receiving healing? It doesn't, it, it, it does not play. Being a good person can help keep you out of some 
you know, transmitted diseases or things like that. You know what I'm saying? But as far as you qualifying, you receive based on his grace, not your works. But I'll tell you one thing that does get you noticed, does get you respected. Faith. Hmm? Now, if you want God to pass over other people to get to your situation, get in faith. It'll draw him right to you. But it has nothing to do with, well, bless God, I'm the CEO. You know what I mean? Nothing to do with that. So, number one, we talked about anything he's done for someone else, he'll do for you. Say, for instance, you can't have kids, but you want kids. What do you need to find out in the Word? Has he ever, has there ever been somebody else who couldn't have children that God worked it out for? You thinking of Abraham and Sarah, right? I mean, not only did he work it out, they were both way, way older than childbearing age. Yeah. So anything he's done for somebody else, he'll do for you. Do you believe it? The second thing that I wanted to talk to you and tell you is that this, anything he's ever done, he's still doing today. In other words, God hasn't changed. So firstly, has he ever done it for somebody else? If so, he'll do it for you. He's, he does not show favoritism. He said he doesn't. That's right. Secondly, if he's ever done it, he's still doing it because he never changes. You can turn to Hebrews 13 and look at this familiar verse, but it's good to look at it anyhow. Hebrews 13. You know, one thing is for sure, you'll get to know your Bible better if you hang around here. Where stuff is, anyhow. Hebrews 13, verse 8, says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Some of you just finding it now, we'll read it again. Read it with me, everyone. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Question for you. Was he the healer of every sickness and every disease? Yes. Then is he? Let me ask you this. Will he be forever? Yes. Then what about now? Is he now, right now, right now, the healer of every sickness, every disease, every problem, every malady? According to the word. You don't have to turn there, but I'll quote to you. Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord. I change not. Don't turn there again, but James 1, 17 says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, God is just rock solid. What he said he is, he always is. He never changes and becomes something else. If he was the Lord, our healer, he is the Lord, our healer. Nobody has the right to take the great I am and say, well, he's the great I was. You know, nobody has the right to say, well, God did that then, but he's not doing it today. He's not doing it today for the same reason he didn't do it back in the book of Mark. Unbelief, lack of faith, especially yours, whoever's saying that. Don't be expecting it in your life. Whatever the situation, whatever the condition, whatever the sickness, if, if you know he's done it or something similar for anyone before, you know he's still doing it and you know he'll do it for you. Yes. 
Well, now the problem might lie. How can I find out if my problem is something that God's healed before? Um, how many would, would not mind turning to one more pair of scriptures? <laughs> Galatians 3. Galatians 3. You know, this is an important thing to minister on. Like we said, it's, I mean, it, it was given as much prominence in Jesus' ministry as teaching and preaching. Yet it's been a while since, you know, we have to preach on the whole body of truth. But every once in a while, at least, you need to hear the great, great news that there's a healer in the house today. A healer in the house. In Galatians 3, there's a verse, and it really takes a little more teaching than what we're going to be able to do right now because we're, we're, we're winding up this part of what we're doing. But in the 13th verse, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Talking about the cross. Verse 14, he said he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Don't you know that in those two verses I just read, we could preach a week, right? But notice it said Christ has redeemed us from something called the curse of the law. And then it said he was made a curse for us. So this is something he did for us. But you have to find out what is this curse of the law stuff? What, what did he go to great lengths to purchase for us? What is this curse of the law that he redeemed us from? The law that God gave Moses did not bring life. The law basically shone the light on sin and shined, you know, it said, look guys, now you see. <laughs> and so the law in itself was a curse, but included in the law were the curses for disobeying God's laws. And if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, we've been redeemed from those curses. Those are found in Deuteronomy 28. I'll have you turn there. We'll just look at one verse, but I'll tell you the, the curse of the law was threefold. It was number one, spiritual death, which is the, which is the case that we're all in before we're born again. That was, that was number one. Number two was poverty. Number three, sickness and disease. Those were all part of the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy 28, if you're over there, um, the first 14 verses of the chapter listed the blessings. And this, these are great things to just read and confess over yourself because I don't know about you. Well, I do. I believe about you that you are obedient to the Lord. And qualifying for the blessings. I mean, right in the, probably in the second verse or so, um, said all these blessings will come on you and accompany you. The King James says, overtake you. And it lists all the blessings. But then down in the 15th verse, it says, if you don't obey the Lord your God and don't carefully follow his commands and decrees I'm giving you, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now, we can't read the whole because it's, it's about another 50 verses full of curses. And if you want some exciting reading, he lists uh, in this chapter 
disease after disease, most of which are still with us today. And really the diseases that he lists, uh, you can get any other disease out of the root of those diseases. We're talking, we're trying to answer the question, how do I know if God will heal my situation? How do I know if mine's in there without reading the whole Bible? Read the whole Bible. But I'm going to tell you today, whether or not it's listed, it is listed in verse 61. Let's start at the 58th verse just to give you a taste of this. If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in the book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues. Uh-oh on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters, severe and lingering illnesses. How many know that does not sound like abundant life? Verse 60, he'll bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded and they will cling to you. Now, verse 61, the Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book. Leaving room for future sicknesses and diseases to come in the world, which they have, of course. So how do you know if your situation's in the book? If it's listed, you know it's there. If it's not listed, he just told you that's part of the curse of the law. And what do we know? We've been redeemed from all of it. All of it. We've been redeemed from all of it. Jesus, we read in our text, he healed those who had need of healing. How did he do it? How did he do it? Uh, We read about the man with the hand, right? Well, lots of different ways, actually. Sometimes he would just speak to the thing. Sometimes he would, uh, a lot of times, he'd lay hands on people. and, And we do that very often. And what would happen, Would there would be a tangible transfer of power from the the minister's hands or Jesus's hands into the person's body, driving out the sickness, driving out the disease. One time he spit on somebody. Anybody remember that? Would you be okay if Jesus spit on you, if you walked away healed? Uh, One time he put his fingers in a person's ear, but they ended up hearing it was okay. Oftentimes he'd issue a command to be cooperated with. Go show yourselves to the priests, he said to the lepers. To the blind man, go wash in the pool. Well, that was a chore. If you can't see where you're going, you had to go to this specific pool, get in and wash off your eyes. Rise up and walk. Stretch forth your hand. How are you going to do that? How are you going to stretch forth your hand? I don't know, but he said to do it. So you, you do what you can do. And when you make the effort, God's power meets you. And so the important thing is not getting the method you choose for we're not Goldilocks Christians looking for what's just right. You know, most of the time, which method God will use for you? The one you wish he wouldn't. How come? Because that identifies your pride, which is what's keeping you in that shape. Anyhow, a lot of times. Is this good preaching today? You don't pick which method. Right. I don't pick which method. All you need to know is I'm going to obey whatever. Huh? You know, sick people don't get to go in and write their own prescriptions. 
to the doctor. Some of them try. But when God's power is in manifestation, whatever the method, just cooperate with it right then, right there. Don't think, well, I'll just wait till I get home when nobody's looking. Hmm? <laughs> that anointing is for right now. Well, all the people here. Okay, go leave sick. Lots of people do. All the time it happens. Praise God. He healed them that had need of healing. I tell you boldly this morning, God will demonstrate himself. God will do what he said he'd do. If you need healing, he's your healer. Amen. He loves to perform. He loves to demanstrate. Hey, whether, whether it's an instantaneous thing that everybody can see or whether the power of God works in you uh, over a process of time. But hey, if it's something that couldn't be healed before, who cares if it takes a little bit of time? Get the power of God working in you. The word of God works. The power of God works. Has to be cooperated with. If you need healing today, just want to invite you. This is, you know, uh, you should respond to the message. Respond to the good news. If you, if you need healing today and would like me to minister to you, the Lord uses us in this way. And we're so thankful that he does. Lift, slip your hand up. Hey everyone, this is Joel Siegel once again. Hey, can I have just another moment of your time, please? Thank you, by the way, for listening to these messages. I hope they were a real blessing to you. They, the, the truth sure have been a blessing in my life. I know they will in yours also. Listen, I want to make sure that if you're listening to these messages that you know for certain that, say, for instance, your heart was to stop beating today. Do you know that you would go to heaven for sure? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Uh, you get a lot of answers to that question. Some people say, well, you know, I'm a good person and I'm glad you're a good person, but being a good person does not make you a Christian. Some people say, well, pastor, you know, I go to church and I'm glad you go to church. But do you know that going to church does not make a person a Christian? Some people say, well, I was raised in a good Christian home and I'm so glad that you were. But that does not does that make you a Christian? You know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that those who are raised in a good home are going to be going to heaven. No, Jesus uh, is the one who came, who died, who paid the price for us to go. The Bible says he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and nobody can come to the Father but by him. You know, if we want to go to heaven, and let me assure you that you do, there is a place called hell that is real, it is eternal punishment, it is, it is just terrible in every way, and uh, you don't want to go there. There is a place called heaven that is wonderful in every way. You want to go there. But listen, everyone, you don't go by wishing. You don't go by, by just, you know, repeating prayers over and over again. You can only go God's way. And thank God we know God's way. He's told us in his word, the Bible. You know what Jesus said to a man named Nicodemus one day is true for us all. Nicodemus was a, a person that is probably not unlike a lot of the people listening to this recording. He was a good man. He was a very religious man. He was a faithful man in his religion. Um, he was a man who knew the words of God and had studied a lot. Uh, you'd call him a leader. If it, was, if it was the church today, you would call him a church leader. Nicodemus was a very good man. I mean, I dare say he was probably a better person than most of us. Well, Nicodemus came to Jesus one day, and it's interesting uh, that when Nicodemus started talking to Jesus about spiritual things, Jesus did not say, hey, Nicodemus, I'm so glad that you and I are going to be together in heaven. He didn't say that. He, he brought up something that was probably a shock to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't go. You can't enter in to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. 
Well, what is this born again all about? That's the way, my friends, that we can get to heaven through Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. So I'm glad about all the other things. If you're a good person, a, you know, a person that even has knowledge of God and, and is in a church and things like that, terrific. But if you have not been born again, none of those things matter. Let's get right now to that which does matter. What does it mean to be born again? You know, really to put it as simply as I know how, it means that you make a decision to give God all your heart. And in return, he gives you a brand new nature on the inside. And it's by virtue of that decision that you become a child of God. You sometimes hear in our society, well, we're all children of God. That is so untrue. That is so incorrect. Children of God can only be born into the family of God spiritually. And that's what Jesus meant when he said you must be born again. So that's something that all of us must do. If you haven't done it, uh, it's something that can happen right now. Listen, how do you get born again? Very easy. Romans chapter 10 says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart, see, it's a heart decision. If you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My friend, you can have absolute confidence by the time you turn this this recording off today that heaven is your home. So let's just release our faith right there, uh, right in this area. If you've never prayed and asked the Lord to come into your heart, if you've never made that decision to give your heart to the Lord, do it right now. Why don't you just pray this prayer after me? You know, it's not the words that are so important. It's your heart. Do you mean it? Are you ready to give the Lord your all? Pray this with me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he paid the price, that he suffered and died for the sin of the world. And that includes my sins. The price has been paid. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you also that you said in your word that if I would confess with my mouth the Lordship of Jesus in my life. And if I believe in my heart that he's risen from the dead, that I'd be saved. Father God, right now, I come to you and I receive Jesus as my Lord. I do believe that he died for my sins and was risen again the third day, and is alive right now. And I do say that Jesus is my Lord. Father, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take it and do your will with it. And I thank you that in exchange, you've given me a new life and a home in heaven. Thank you, Father, that I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, oh, it's just such an awesome, wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you, drop me an email and let me know that you have. Go to one of our websites. You can go to www.biggodmedia.com 
or at the church, www.goodnewsfamilychurch.org. And there's, there's ways to contact us there, and we will rejoice with you. You know, one important thing is to get in a good church and begin to grow spiritually, and uh, we can help you find one of those as well. And if you're in the western New York area, Good News Family Church is a great place. We invite you to come be with us. Bless you. We'll talk to you again.